Hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes, the podcast where I get to interview Michael Rosilio, your host. I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls about their story and path of the games. And today is an incredible one. We have Caitlin Sandino. I'm very sorry. I'll start it off. I, I mistakenly say her last name incorrectly during the episode a couple times, but she corrects me towards the end. So we get there. But Caitlin was an incredible person. She was a part of a world record breaking relay. She had, um, she, she went to the games at an extremely young age. She's so incredible, so nice. And now she's doing some amazing things on the back end or, or the post-career career, if I may. Caitlin was so much fun to talk to. She's super cool, has a lot of insight. Her story is incredible, what she's been able to go through, and uh, just some of the things that she's doing with her life now, as I said, are a lot of fun, and she loves to give back. So guys, please enjoy one more time Caitlin Sandino of USA Swimming, world record, gold medal, bronze medal fourth place silver medal she was she was amazing so i hope really hope you guys enjoy the episode all right and today extremely extremely special guest we have gold medalist caitlin sandino of the usa swimming team back in 2000 2004 she was on the olympic team uh caitlin sandino hogan i am so sorry about that caitlin i did not know you're to good take your husband out of the picture <laughs> so quickly um she was born in mission vallejo california where she and then attended uh, USC University, the real USC, Southern California. Um, she yeah. won gold. Yes, exactly. I have a friend that went to South Carolina and he tries to tell us uh, <laughs> where he say, no, man, we're sorry. Um, she won gold, silver, and a couple bronze medals at the Olympic Games attending the 2000 and 2004 um, Olympic Games. Um, she broke the longest standing swimming record, world record, or part of uh, the team that broke it in, in, um, in history when she, um, when her and her team broke the East German, the last East German record, which is super cool. I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. Um, after retiring in, was it 2004, 2008? 2008. 2008. After retiring in 2008, Caitlin became the spokesperson for the Jesse Reese Foundation. She is also an MC, a motivational speaker, a commentator for the Olympics, which is super cool. And uh, she's also a swim coach. So Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. No, I, I hope this is going to be a good time. You've laughed a couple times, so I got my quota out of the way. And from here on, we can hopefully just have a nice little conversation. So, Caitlin, you know, obviously I gave a very, very small, small synopsis of your life. So if you don't mind giving us a little bit of extra details, maybe fleshing out some of the points for us. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I um, started my swimming career at the very wise and mature age of five years old. And uh, that's when I joined the Summer League swim team in my hometown of Lake Forest, California. And just a Summer League program that was like in the water for three to the year. And I did that because I had older sisters that were kind of the community thing to do. Everybody was kind of um, doing it, all the kids in the neighborhood. But I was um, very involved in all sports growing up. I did a little bit of everything. I was kind of a huge tomboy, but had a huge, like, obnoxious bow in my hair. Um, I was really into soccer and cross country as well. So um, as I progressed through my athletic career, it was really between soccer and flipping and I split my time amongst the two sports, um, all the way until like the middle of the eighth grade, which um, I like that part of my story because I think a lot of times, or especially now, parents are so focused on getting their child fully focused on one sport at such a young age, and I just don't think that's the way to do it. Um, I'm glad that I had a little bit of everything um, that I got to try, and my parents literally put me in everything whenever I like stuck. And, um, you know, when 
that time around, you know, my soccer coach was like, hey, you need to pick one sport or the other. And my coach was saying the same thing. Um, I love soccer. I was probably equally as talented in the sport, but my coaches just put a little bit more of um, kind of big picture in my mind as far as what they thought I could accomplish and how talented they thought I was. You know, I would say I'm a, probably like, you know, an above average swimmer you know, mm-hmm. this whole time. But at the same time, I was um, pretty like skinny and small for my age. So a lot of the girls that were already going through puberty or that were already much taller definitely was seeing uh, more success than I was. But uh, at the same time, I held my own and I was pretty strong and like competitive little like you know, fiery um, athlete, mm-hmm. and uh, started seeing some pretty big drop in time um, in the junior high, and was just kind of going on the merry way to use kind of the progression of the different levels as a swimmer. And then let's see, you know, I committed slowly going into like high school, and then uh, really ramped up the training. But didn't I was kind of one of those oblivious swimmers? Like I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just knew what I was told, and didn't really realize it until like years later. Like talking to my swim coach, like what you had me doing? What? Like that's crazy training. Uh, but at that time, like you're just so young and naive, and like my body could handle it, and I just kept pounding out like the yardage. And um, it was kind of cool being a distance reseller and an IMer because of what I swam. I trained a little bit of everything, and I competed in a little bit of everything. Kind of fun in kind of my life now. I kind of do a little bit of everything, um, but it just kind of kept me. You know, things weren't necessarily boring because it was always changing up. And I made my first international team when I was 16, and that put me on the 1999 Pan American team. And that was kind of like my first dose of realizing that I had a lot of potential. I went to that meet and um, won both of my races, the 400 free and 800 free, and broke two uh, Pan American Games records. And that's when it kind of came across my mind, like, okay, maybe maybe I do have a a good shot in this sport. So for a while, I kind of feel like everybody else was expecting big things of me, or other people would be like, oh, she's going to make the Olympics. I was like 15, 16. I just, that's not really the way I was raised. And it wasn't like really like what my mentality was. And then um, (laughs) the next year, I made my first Olympic team. I was 17 years old. I qualified first in the Florida Island. That's going to the Olympics. Um, in order to qualify for, you know, Team USA, you have to place first or second in Olympic trials. So I uh, qualified first in the 400 IM, and I ended up making it also in the 200 Butterfly and the 800 Freestyle, which was kind of a surreal program at that time. It wasn't necessarily um, something that was very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people like Michael Phelps and stuff made it, you know, a little bit more like, oh, yeah, you can swim more than just one event at the Olympics. Um, I, I went to that game and, and, and learned a lot at my first Olympics. It was only my second international competition ever and came home with a bronze medal in the 800 freestyle, placed fourth in the I am and sixth in the 200 butterfly. Um, but more than anything, I just like walked out there with like just so much more knowledge and experience um, at that playing field. And then went back to my senior year of high school and <laughs> trying to regain some normalcy after coming in two weeks late and having a, uh, an Olympic medal and had the honor of pretty much picking any college I wanted to attend with a full ride scholarship. Went through that whole process and as you said, went to the real USC mm-hmm. from California. <laughs> um, and then that's kind of like um, the first time that like really things started getting a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, I I didn't really have too many um, hiccups uh, along that way and then I had you know very very small injuries that kind of came and went pretty quickly um, but then starting college I kind of got slammed with one injury after another um, a lot of illness um, I also um, uh, competed with asthma I'm asthmatic so had a lot of issues with my asthma in college and just every time I get a cold it would turn like into bronchitis and 
just had a lot of things to overcome in college. There was definitely some times where I never thought I would swim again. I had this uh, back injury that really was like, Ugh, I don't know if I'm going to get over this. So college was not an awesome time for me. Um, I had, you know, the fun social aspect of it, but, you know, that whole, oh, college 15 pounds, I put on my yeah. college 20. Yeah. <laughs> so put on a lot of weight, had a lot of injuries, wasn't really performing to my expectations. And then obviously the ones that like, a, you know, forward scholarship, um, just had shoulder injuries, back injuries. And my kind of my freshman and my sophomore year were just very average years. Um, yeah, there's times I wanted to give up and there's times where I, you know, hated it really, to be completely honest. Um, it's hard training's hard being a college athlete's hard uh, you know being really good at 17 is hard um, and then you know just not not wanting the 2000 Olympics to be my only Olympics I really wanted to make it to another Olympics and just needed to get the right uh, mentality back you know I was I think part of my successful uh, swimming career comes from I think I have a very strong uh, mindset and when you're hurt and you're sick all the time you're uh, mental side of sport begins to suffer. So I have some physical adversities to overcome, but I definitely have those mental challenges as well as just trying to get back into the game mentally. And it wasn't until about my junior year, um, or it was my junior year, where I started feeling a lot more confident in myself. And I felt I was really strong again. I um, finally had overcome these um, injuries. And I was like, all right, let's give, let's give the old college try and make a, try to make the 2004 Olympic team. And I, I went into that Olympic trial. It's kind of like a dark horse um, as, in 2000, I was kind of like the, the, the name to watch. And in 2004, I was definitely kind of like that outside smoke. And um, ended up having an incredible good trials. Um, qualifying not only one event, but qualifying in three individuals in a relay. So going to the 2004 Olympics was just pretty surreal. I had just signed a contract um, with Nike, um, became a professional athlete, which forgave my last year of college eligibility, but um, one of those things that just doesn't happen a lot. So it was, it was a big decision, um, obviously, to choose between going pro and um, staying one more year at USC, but really happy with my decision. I had the support of my teammate and my coaches. And then just went to the 2004 Olympics and just had one of those like fairy tale swim meets where I came home with a gold, silver, bronze, and also fourth place. So I literally got first, second, third, and fourth uh, American record and a world record, and um, literally just the time of my life. Uh, had a, a huge goal that I wanted to accomplish, and it was uh, done at that Olympics. I had a barrier in the 400 IM, always going four minutes and 40 seconds every single time I signed that race, and all I wanted to do was break that time when I got to that meet and ended up smashing it by, like, oh, six and a half seconds, so that was pretty surreal. And um, just one of those things where, at the moment, obviously, it was, like, I was having the time of my life and realized what I was accomplishing, but I don't think I was telling you later where I was like, wow, that was a pretty surreal moment in my career. Um, and let's see, I went back to school, I had a hard time kind of get back into the groove of things, um, took a little time away from college, um, the, the studio side of it, just to kind of do the appearances and capitalize on being a professional athlete, and then went back to school, got my degree, uh, moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan to continue my professional swimming career, there wasn't a lot of options for women, and I went there and I did good, not great, definitely did not wrap up my swimming career as I had hoped. Uh, did really well in the 2007 World University Games, and I thought I was setting myself up pretty well for 2008 Elbert Trials, but just one thing after another, I um, blew out my knee about two months before Elbert Trials, and then came down with a pretty severe upper respiratory infection two weeks before the Elbert Trials, so when I went to trials, I was on antibiotics, um, was just getting off crutches, so it was just 
not what I had hoped, but you know, everything happens for a reason. Very happy with my career. I knew that 2008 was going to be the um, end of my career, regardless if it was the Olympics or not. Um, I was just kind of excited for life after swimming, and uh, it was 20 years of my life that was phenomenal, and I don't regret whatsoever, but definitely a lot of um, sacrifices, and a lot of hard work, and a lot that you put your body through, and um, you know, proud to say I'm a two-time Olympic swimmer, and I have four Olympic medals. That is absolutely something to be proud of. Thank you so much, Caitlin. That was an awesome story. I love when people get in. Sometimes I talk, and, and I appreciate every athlete that hangs out with me for even five minutes. I think it's incredible I get to talk to Olympic athletes. Um, but I appreciate when we can get in depth because now I have all these notes and I can ask you all these questions, and questions are like, so first, um, you said you were kind of a smaller girl and you were a little fire. Is that yeah. because did you have some like kind of, I guess, chip on your shoulder because you were a little bit smaller and that's kind of what made you really, you know, give it as you well, not the college try in, in, in grade school, but um, <laughs> really give it like a, a hard effort every time knowing, hey, I'm a little bit smaller, but the, comp- the you know, the competitive fire is definitely in you. Um, you know, I don't think so. I don't, I, I, like, I knew I was, like, because I was, like, tall. I was kind of, like, lengthy, but okay. I was, like, I had 0% body fat. Um, you know what I've noticed um, since becoming a coach now is that you either have the fire or you don't. And it's not necessarily anything that I feel like a coach can teach. Um, and it's just one of those things that you are born with it or you're not. And I can see it in the people that I work with, the, the young adults that I see. Um, you know, it's in their eyes. It's, um, you don't have to motivate them as much as they motivate themselves. And I just think it was literally something that I was born with. Um, I think a lot of my fire came from, I was never afraid to fail. And I really believe that came from the unconditional love that I felt for my parents. Um, I truly believe that I would not be um, where I am today if it weren't for how they raised me. Um, obviously, I did the hard work, but I mean, they pulled a lot of hours themselves, getting me to practice, getting me out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they gave up a lot of their social life as well because I was a kid that was on the go, like nonstop. Uh, but because I knew that they loved me first place, last place, DQ'd, like record, no record, I was never afraid to put myself on the line. So going out there and you know, giving it my best every single day. And when I touch the wall and I look up, I'm not looking up to see if my parents are smiling and cheering. I'm looking up to see my time because that's all I was, you know, concerned about. Um, you know, my parents' number one thing is, you know, they were more concerned with raising, um, they call it quote unquote nice girls. Like my parents have, um, I'm the youngest of three girls and they just were trying to raise good girls. And um, my mom, you know, she she's an emotional woman in general, but she like gets more emotional when somebody says, oh, your daughter's so nice, opposed to, oh, your daughter's such a fast swimmer. You know, she's the mm-hmm. um, She's competitive, don't get me wrong, but like, it's just like, she enjoys sports. Like she yells at USC football just way more uh-huh. than she yelled at me at my swimmates, you know? Um, <laughs> so I should say yell, cheers. Yes, and, of and course. She like, never yells at like, USC football. No, no she was No way. No, not at all. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I believe in to any of those parents out know, there, the number one thing you can do for your child is just to show that unconditional love. You know, don't let your um, actions be any different from a good performance and a poor performance because, I mean, the only thing you should be worried about is raising, like, a standout individual. And you know what? It seems like your parents did a killer job at that. I mean, you're clearly everything oh, that you do and that I'm super <laughs> excited to get to the end, but I mean, we're still very much at the beginning. Um, you know, obviously talking about the things that you're doing now um, are some pretty yeah. incredible things, but still I have so many questions. Again, you went so lengthy with the story. It was so much exactly what I was looking for. Um, so there was no chip on your shoulder. Your parents just loved you so much no. that you didn't even have to worry about times or anything. You could just really go out there or no, you did. You didn't have to worry about them. You could only 
you right. can focus completely on your times and having to do that. So that's phenomenal. So Definitely. cheers to your parents, Mr. And Mrs. Sandino. Thanks. We appreciate uh, what <laughs> you're doing. Um, and then, so you said in, in eighth grade, you had to choose between soccer and swimming. And I think it's really yeah. cool that you brought up the fact that you think it's not great that kids, you know, at the age of four are being told, no, you're only going to play football. <laughs> no, you're only, I completely agree. Right. I mean, you use different muscles. You use maybe not different parts of your brain, but it helps you think differently when you're playing these other sports. I mean, you think of some of the best athletes. Let's look at Steve Nash, for example. He's an amazing soccer player and an amazing point mm. guard. He gets some of his mm -hmm. vision, I'm sure, from being able to be on a soccer field and see where everyone's going. So a lot of these things go hand in hand, and I think it makes complete sense that you um, that you did that. And then I think it's really um, not ironic. It's kind of funny that you then went with the IM in certain aspects because that's the one where you <laughs> get different things. And you're not bored, and you're not right. doing the same thing. You're using different muscles. You're doing, thinking about things a little differently. So I can see kind of how I think it's really interesting that you've been able to kind of carry that out for a little while, and, and you were able to really um, – you know, utilize the fact that you like doing more than one thing. It can get boring swimming the same thing over and over sure. again, right? And, you know, maybe Definitely. to the, the casual person swimming is swimming, but obviously my girlfriend was a swimmer. So I, I know she swam the IM as well. Okay. So I was very aware of what exactly she was doing and when she was doing it and why she was doing it. So I can understand right. exactly how you could use both of those, you know, that multiple sport aspect and kind of be able to think like, well, I want to swim more than one different thing. It gets kind of boring. You use some different muscles. You can hang out right. a lot. So that is, that is super cool. I like <laughs> that. Um, and then at age 16, breaking records. I mean, man, I'm never going to break records in anything. So I can't imagine what it was like. You know, it's like they 16 year old Mike, like, Hey, you're going to be one of the best in, you know, the, the Americas at something like my head would get gigantic. Like, how did you handle that? And, you know, as you said, like going back after the Olympics, we'll get to that in a second, but how did you handle like being one of the best in the what Eastern hemisphere or some Western hemisphere? Like how, how did you do that at such a young age? Um, you know, again, I think it all goes back to my parents and my older siblings. Um, yeah, I mean, we obviously were raised in sports, but we were also well-rounded. So we're really involved in school. Like I was class president, like all the way up into my junior year of high school and then I was school vice president my senior year and, being involved in other clubs on campus and giving back to the community and um, just being amongst, you know, level-headed parents that weren't, like, my parents were absorbed by the idea, like, oh, my gosh, you're raising this, you know, stud athlete. It's like, you know, I still had a curfew. I still had rules. I still had mm -hmm. chores. I was uh, just about to say, what, did you still have to take the garbage <laughs> out at night, too? Like, that's, that's oh, the best yeah, thing to do. I oh, my gosh. I that's, love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, it's just all a testament to my parents, um, and, and again, my coaches too, you know, I, I am from Southern California and this is like the Mecca or the hotbed of swimming, uh, aquatics really. And, uh, there are a lot of huge teams in this area, but I ended up swimming with a really small club team. And honestly, I just went to that club team when I first started year round because it was one of the only programs that was accepting of me, you know, missing half the time because I was going to be playing soccer. And then, you know, when I gave up soccer it was just I was it was the right team for me I had a great bond with my coaches it was smaller I wasn't like a lost uh, like I wasn't just a number in the pool and still to this day I mean I talk to my club coaches at, at almost every week um, and just had a great relationship with them so you know the just surrounding myself around accountable people um, again putting your character first and you know your athletic, athletic abilities after that 
Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love it. You know, your parents still treating you like you're their 16 year old daughter, not treating you like a, you know, world record holder, a Pan American game holder. Oh, um, 100%. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> definitely put you back in your spot. My parents would do if I mean, if I was ever that good at anything, my parents would 100% put me in my spot um, just because they that's how they raised <laughs> me as well. It's like, yeah, don't get your head too big. Yeah, man. you're not as you're exactly. not as hot as you think you are. Definitely calm down. Exactly. You're still going to come home. You're still going to mow the lawn. You're going to take out the trash. Um, so no, yeah. I love that. that is, that is just too crazy. And then your second <laughs> international competition being the Olympics. I mean, you said what, you were 17 <laughs> years old. I mean, again, yeah. like your head, it's so impressive. It, you didn't, you fit, fit through every door you were able to walk through. I'm sure, you know, I it would have been impressive for me to fit through the door, but I mean, I guess, was it, was it almost a good thing to not have so much experience in the international space, I guess? Cause you wouldn't, you wouldn't really, I don't know, maybe at such a young age, did you really grasp? I mean, you were 17, so you could right. understand, but at the same right. time, like, were you able to really, could you just go in and be like, Oh cool. It's another swim meet. Like, yeah, it's like only my second one abroad. I don't really know the media as well. I don't right. know all that how did, how did you kind of handle that whole aspect of it as well? And did you think having this, the second one be one of the biggest in the world, or if not the biggest in the world, like be a good thing? Or could you see that being a detriment as well? Yeah. You know, I didn't really feel like I, in my whole swimming career, I've never really been the nervous type. Um, I'd get anxious or I used mm-hmm. to call them like butterflies on my stomach, but it was nothing that like I couldn't handle. Um, and then when I got to the Olympics, I still didn't feel nervous. I still was just like on this, like, you know, huge natural high. You're just like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm in Australia. And to be at the Olympics um, is one thing, but to be a swimmer in Australia is just like a whole nother world. It's like their number one sport. So you just feel like you're total like royalty over there. Uh, but I will say like the first time that I walked out when I had the finals for the uh, my first event on the first day, I was like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like my legs like turned into jello and my, and my performance definitely showed it. You know, I, I did a race that wasn't, anything that I would normally done. I went out too fast. I was too excited. I had too many emotions. Um, and I, and I learned the hard way after mm-hmm. my first place. So, you know, it was fourth place. So it's like not a terrible swim, but no. I was like really crushed that it wasn't a medal. And I was crushed because, you know, a lot of people were predicting that it, it was going to be a medal. And I started getting that kind of on my wavelength. And so when I looked up and I saw fourth next to my name, I was like, Oh no. And, you know, it was a moment where, you know, my parents were like raising, like, you know, somebody should make you cry. If you're crying, it's like tears of joy, but you're never because of a bad swim. And I got out after that race and I was like really upset. I was really emotional. I definitely had tears. And I, I felt like I let my country down getting forth because everybody talked about medals and medals and medals and medals. And I swam a race I was really embarrassed by and I went out on somebody else's game plan. Um, so that definitely showed my inexperience at being at the international level. But at the same time, like I'm just a big believer, everything happens for a reason. Like it just made 2004 all the more sweeter. Um, it just made it all the more um, what I had learned in between was like kind of like you made a rookie mistake, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a good rookie mistake that I could share with others and hopefully others can learn from. But it's also kind of one of those things like you kind of just have to experience firsthand. Like mm-hmm. I don't know too many people that didn't kind of blow it at one of their first international competitions. You know, it, it, it's a different uh, – the different beast and um it is what it is and then my next one was better because of it and my third swim at that was you know my best swim. so i'm definitely a quick learner mm-hmm. <laughs> and i've never been one of those first 
you're a person that you know one bad flip doesn't kind of it doesn't ruin my whole meat there's a lot of meats or sorry there's a lot of races that I had that meat still to come um so I didn't let one bad swim get in the way and I you know ended up having a, a meat that I was proud of the way I finished and mm-hmm. um definitely something that carried on to me but yeah I mean it was um I think part of it being so naive was a great thing uh it was just you know, it kind of messed with that first race, and after that, I was good to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see it definitely, and as kind of as you described it, it really does go both ways. In the immediate beginning, your first race on the first day, and kind of you know maybe getting off your game plan a little bit—that's absolutely yeah. a rookie mistake, and that's why they call them. You were a rookie, and that's why they call them rookie mistakes. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but it sounds like, and and here's kind of a question off that: Were you? I guess it sounds like were you reading your press clippings a little bit, like like hearing, oh, you're gonna medal, you're gonna medal. Did that add pressure? Did that add cockiness at all? Or I mean, you seem like a pretty humble person. And again, shout out to your parents because they did a killer job. But like, <laughs> did you maybe read into your press clippings a little much? And maybe that was a big reason you were let down. Because I'll be honest, Caitlin, if I'm fourth in the world at literally anything at any point in my life, I will be ecstatic. <laughs> and I understand the whole medal, you know. Yeah, you know, the the media really getting worried about medals, but do you think either like doing that did that either add a little too much pressure or or a little cockiness to you, or was it just you know what happened? Right, and um, I would say definitely not any cockiness, um, unless I unless a teammate from two thousand has another <laughs> thought on that, but I don't think that. So you know what it was? It was kind of weird because. I just wasn't used to swimming getting so much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the states, it really doesn't. It obviously, a little what bit more now, uh, but like I'm saying, in Australia, I mean, that is just like the sport to be in. And the part that I specifically remember is that um, there, it was like kind of like Vegas, like bets on it, like people were betting on it. Mm. And so I was some a teammate had told me are about. Uh, like the odds you know like I don't even know gambling well enough yeah, to explain yeah. it but like I saw my odds and I was like oh wow so you know in the back of your head the whole world has you winning a medal and you're like crap now I gotta win a medal mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I was never a person that cared about medals I just wanted like my time to place me right mm-hmm. so now instead of worrying about doing my best I'm worrying about getting you know a gold silver or bronze so when I look up I should be ecstatic with a fourth place Sorry, I'm 17 years old and only three people in the world to beat me that event but instead it's not a, it's not a medal I'm not on the podium so I'm crushed mm-hmm. you know what I mean so th- again another rookie mistake you know I don't know if I was necessarily like reading the press clippings but I definitely knew that fact about the gambling um and I just think it, it changed my priorities um but at the same time I just you know I know I was nervous behind the blocks when I got up um you know my body felt different going into that race and I saw a different race uh so obviously so it's going to be a combination of different things and then you know for four years later four years later in the same race I have like an out-of-body experience and I've never swum so amazing in my life mm-hmm. you know and it's like and, and people ask me too like oh what do you think are all the contributing factors of that I'm like well, where do you get like you just don't know that day that moment I was on and never again did I ever swim that fast again that race so you know we were just set up for different uh, days of brilliance <laughs> and that's the way it works and I'm sure again as you even said earlier you're not going to trade it for the world um I just think that's no. incredible so I mean we've talked about the the 2000 Olympics a little bit now in Sydney could you I mean just describe outside of the swimming which I mean again you finished you know fourth in one event if I'm not mistaken you won a bronze um in that game so you yeah. got to go home with something so it's not like it was a um you know you you you, you got something out of it which again yeah the medals are incredible and obviously that's that's a lot of people's goal I do believe that there's a little too much emphasis 
emphasis on it. I appreciate yes. that you just going to the games and representing your country. And I really do sincerely yeah. believe that, um, you know, it's just one thing with being able to talk to a lot of athletes recently. They say, um, you know, the two questions are asked, Oh, you made it to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, what medal did you win? Oh, I didn't medal. You know, if they didn't win a medal, then you, they say that you see the person just kind of deflate, I guess, which is pretty disappointing. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, you guys put in, question. you guys put in so much work. Like, I mean, I just appreciate that you did it and you went and represented us. Well, I just think it's so you. cool. Um, but so your yeah, first I always game, get asked, did you get a medal and do you know Michael Phelps? Those are my two questions <laughs> I get asked. <laughs> well, do you know Michael Phelps by any chance? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I was going to say, of course you do. No, no questions asked, but no. Um, so, so at your first games, just to describe the experience for me, obviously we went over the swimming a little bit in the, in the sport, but just describe the experience for me, a 17 year old kid still, um, hanging out with some of these athletes that are, are legends in each of their respective sports, some of them. I mean, what was that like so young and, 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 and being able to go to the opening ceremonies and see the athletes from around the world and see the athletes in all the other sports and for the United States, describe that feeling, those emotions that you had when you were there for us. Uh, you know, it's just like, it's a huge whirlwind from the second that you make it at trials, you know, you make it at the Olympic trials and swimming's one of the last sports to qualify for the Olympics. You basically go to your Olympic trials. You have to prime yourself to swim your absolute best with the hopes of making the Olympic team. And then after you make the Olympic team, you have to reprime yourself to go even faster than you just did. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a crazy process. I mean, for the minute you're done, it's like eating a drug testing and then getting ready for your next race and then getting ready for the next thing. And then, you know, getting your sites taken care of and then you basically have a day or two, you go home, you pack up and you're at training camps. Um, for me, like one of the things I'll never forget is just the sense of pride that you get getting just handed truck full of, you know, Team USA apparel mm-hmm. and having your last name on there at the American flag. You're just like, pinch me, is this real? And then I think, you know, again, being 17, I don't think it matters what, what age you are just getting the hand of just all this amazing like free like sports gear with like you're like this is mine like I get to wear this like I get to represent like it just you know sends chills down your body and then um yeah you know the, the Olympic Village is pretty surreal and the cafeteria is surreal but there's something that I, I I will always remember from any international competition I've ever been at um the amount of stairs that you get being yeah. in the USA like you walk in and it's just like you're recognized and you are a, a force to reckon with. And it's like Team USA is known and seen and stared at. And it's, you, we set the bar high. Um, you know, obviously we get beat, you know, in events and time for time, but we're always, you know, a top contender. And, um, you know, we have a lot of unity. And it's crazy because, you know, we race against each other, you know, 11 and a half months out of the year. And then, we're Team USA, and now it's us against the world, you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, you're racing against your fellow Americans, you know, 98% of the time. And then you come together, and these are some people that you, you might have some animosity to or some rivals with, and then now, like, you could be roommates, and now you're taking on everybody else. Um, so I'll never forget, like, the stairs, like, going into, like, the cafeteria just when you're all dressed in Team USA. And, um, you know, the whole experience. Unfortunately, I did not get to attend the opening ceremonies because I competed the next morning for both of my Olympics. I didn't go to opening or closing. Um, but there's definitely, a, there's already a crazy amount of energy in the Olympic Village. But the day of the opening ceremonies is just kind of like, it, it's just really surreal. It's hard to find the, the right words for it because it's like, all right, here we go. This only happens every four years. And for some people, their race is 30 seconds long or two minutes long or four minutes long. and you have that much time in four years to show the world what you're made of and what you've been training for. So um, you can definitely imagine 
the tension <laughs> yes. of that. Oh my gosh. I honestly, actually, I can't, I would never be able to imagine <laughs> that amount of tension. And, and, and again, this is why I love to live vicariously through you and all the other Olympic athletes and just being able to hear and get the chills down my back of, you know, when, when someone, you know, unfortunately we weren't able to go to either of the, the ceremonies, but um, a few of the athletes have really described it vividly. And it's just, it sounds like an incredible event and it sounds like an incredible evening. But even as you said, just the whole thing is, is just, you know, so, so emotionally charged and everything that's going on. You know, some people are literally only competing for 30 seconds and it's unfortunate, but that's just, right. the way um, and you know, it, it, it's just, it's, you get four years. And again, the four year thing is the reason why I am trying to do this and help more Olympic athletes share their story. Cause we really only notice her once every four years. And I think that's very frustrating Yeah, because it's not like you stopped working. It's not like, as you've told us your whole story, <laughs> it's not like those 20 years, you were only doing stuff for those three weeks each, uh, you know, twice, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's something frustrating to me. And again, that's why, so I try and help out a little bit, but so you come home from the <laughs> Olympics after your amazing, you know, bronze medal, you got a fourth place, you're 17 years old. And even as you said, trying to go back to high school what's that like I mean I'll never understand or know I mean high school was weird enough I mean I can only imagine what it's like being an, an elite athlete and having to go back to high school and sit in history class in fourth period I mean tell us a little bit more about that what you remember from that. <laughs> that's funny because I was like it was like history that I remember the most because I had like this really really old teacher that had been at my high school forever mm -hmm. and the first day I School, like I had reporters that followed me around for the day and um, you know my history was all right everybody calm down it's not like we have a celebrity in here or anything you know uh -huh. <laughs> and then I have like my Olympic medal in my backpack you know yeah, what I mean so that is um, funny. <laughs> it was really funny but you know luckily um it, it, I, again just being involved in different things in school I had a you know a pretty wide um variety of friends mm -hmm. you could say you know mm -hmm. not all athletes some athletes some drama some soccer players some football you know and being involved in ASB I was already pretty well known in campus you know, being class president throughout the years and whatnot so um I think like I haven't I'm definitely extroverted you know I'm okay mm -hmm. with that I'm, I'm good with talking with people and uh, I think too you know my parents put me um or, or well I should say my parents and my sisters really um promoted taking public speaking in junior high and so it was like one of those elective classes that I took and I, that helped me tremendously because it was kind of weird you know you come back to high school you're still a teenager and then you're getting asked to do speaking um, engagements and so mm -hmm. uh, I started doing them at a young age and I'm so glad I did because it just made my comfort level like speaking in public just like you know like night and day I have no problem with it and um, you know you kind of step into a position of being a role model and somebody that um you know people that look up to and kids are looking up to and that you know in your community and um you know I'm from Orange County which is obviously massive but the actual town that I'm in like Forest is on the smaller side and just has like a really good like um community feel to it so the amount of support and I you know I still get great messages or notes from people or if I run into people and I go back home like I remember in 2000 when you're at Altora High School and we were all huddled around the tv you know it's it's a um it makes me feel proud, you know what I mean? But it, it also comes with um, being a solid role model because mm -hmm. I think in today's time, you know, we definitely have an interesting uh, grasp of what a role model is these days with social media and what have you. So um, it's something I could serious and just try to, you know, be uh, a strong individual in and out of the pool. Uh, but, you know, I, I was pretty comfortable with that role uh, in high school. Um, like I said, it was kind of a, already kind of known on campus so mm -hmm. to have the olympic thing I, I was already pretty comfortable in that 
that was a really long-winded answer. No, it was <laughs> great though. It was a great answer. That's exactly what. Uh, please, I want to know everything. So please, do not hold back. Just uh, we we have a time. Over. We have got about twenty minutes left. Uh, I think we'll make it to the end of the story. I hope we make it to the end of the story. Um, I'm okay. sure. So um. So you had, had an amazing time at high school. You get, I mean, you pretty much, I'm assuming, had your pick of the litter at colleges. You stayed a little close to home, went to the real USC, Southern California. Um, and you said it started kind of becoming challenging for you. And, you know, after going to the Olympics, winning bronze, getting fourth place, yada, yada, yada. We've talked about that ad nauseum at this point, which we're going to keep doing. But um, <laughs> so you go to USC, you're on the swim team, I'm assuming. You're, you're having some troubles. What, what? In I guess in the grand scheme of things, was that the best time to have struggles for you? Obviously, a couple years before the next Olympics coming around, um, you know, obviously asthma is something you've been battling. It sounds like for a long time, as you said, maybe um, some other injuries along the way. Was that like, for lack of a better term, the best possible time to struggle? You know, it's funny. You're probably the first person that's ever brought up that question. I'm like, hey, he's probably right. I wouldn't have wanted it too close to 2004 Mm -hmm. and coming in right, you know, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, that was awful. It was terrible being so bad my freshman year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like I was bad. Like, I still went to the NC2A and I still had a strong showing, but it's just like, it's hard when you're, the the post-Olympic blues definitely exist. It Mm -hmm. is so Mm -hmm. hard to stay on that high and you drop fast because you know what you're forgotten fast and the Olympics you know was so rad for two and a half three weeks and it does not ride very long and so you know it it was a bummer I wanted Mm -hmm. to stay on that high of the the experience that I had had that summer before um you know and you go to a D1 school and obviously they are very strong in their sports, but Oh yeah, I'm at USC. Their academics are no joke either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so having to figure out that balance is extremely challenging for me. I mean, I did really poorly in school at the beginning of my first semester at USC. I had a lot to wrap my head around between training and, you know, a social life and then training, uh, sorry, the, uh, the tutor hours and, you know, doing your own laundry. I mean, that <laughs> adjustment. going to college is a huge adjustment as it is. And then you're throwing in there, oh, I just came off the Olympics on the top recruit. Um, that was hard. I mean, I definitely remember a phone call just like breaking down to my mom in tears being like, holy crap, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the academics for me was really challenging. But once I figured it out, um, you know, I've pretty proud with how I finished up at USC and I'm yeah. trying to have a degree from there and whatnot. So, um, I, yeah, it was probably the right timing to get hurt. If I had to get hurt, I feel like every athlete has one of those mm-hmm. times where, you know, they, it was one obstacle after another. So yeah, I, I, I like that after all these years, you somebody that's kind of refreshed my, my thought process with that. Uh, so if there was a good time to be hurt, it was probably my freshman year, but again, it made me stronger. It made me, um, you know, made, 2004 all the more bittersweet for me um it, it makes my story maybe a little bit more relatable you know it's like mm-hmm. kind of joke like yeah if I'm Michael Phelps I'm like yeah every time I fell in the pool I broke a world record <laughs> um you know but <laughs> when you're Caitlin Sandino you know you had some years in between I just it did not really go my way and I just think that's a little bit more real life mm-hmm. yeah that's um yeah and obviously I would not wish injury upon anyone we of course know that but I mean every athlete does usually struggle at some point. Um, and you know, again, if there was a time, it kind of was the perfect time to struggle. Um, the perfect time to kind of run into a roadblock. Cause then, as you said, it made you stronger. It made you more powerful. It made you kind of realize, Hey, you know, maybe, you know, there's one more Olympics that I can possibly go to maybe two. You don't want to fall off that quickly because as you said, I mean, there's four years till the next one, 
there's a good chance people might even forget you. I mean, you were a wonderkin at 17 and then, you know, maybe at 22, 21, whatever it would end up being, um, you might not be around and people would have been like, what happened to that girl that one time? So, you know, I'm, I'm happy, uh, I guess if I'm happy, I don't know if I'm like happy, but I'm glad, I guess maybe <laughs> that was the perfect time it happened to you. Um, you know, I guess so, so that, that worked out and, you know, just then staying at USC for a couple more years, getting, wrapping your head around it. If we're being very honest, Caitlin, um, everybody's first semester at college is kind of difficult. <laughs> so don't worry. You're, yes. you're not in a, you're not singled out. Um, yes, obviously again, with being, um, an athlete, it may have been a little bit more difficult, but I feel like everybody's first semester at college was difficult. Um, so, you know, that's always an easy <laughs> to, uh, to bring yourself back to the pack a little bit if you need to, but so that's incredible. So you spend some time at USC, you have a really good time. You keep going, you keep progressing in your sport. The, 04 Olympic trials come around. So I actually want to kind of pause right there. Before that time and while you were injured, was it ever like a, you know, as you said in, in the, in, you know, in 2000, you were definitely looked at as someone that was most likely going to medal. And obviously you did. And 04, you said you're almost looked at as a dark horse. Was there any worry in your mind during the time at college when, when you were injured, when you maybe weren't performing, as you said, might've put on a, a couple pounds or two, um, your words, not mine. Your words, not mine. Um, yeah, that, like 20. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm 15, 20, 10, whatever it is, it is. Um, but like yeah. during during that time and kind of because there is that lull from one Olympics to another, did it did at one point you kind of just be like wake up one morning and be like, oh my gosh, like what if I don't make the Olympics? What if I what if I I miss this round? Like what, what at what point in time would you did you kind of like maybe kick yourself back into gear and figure out like holy crap, I gotta I gotta keep going. I can't keep doing this. I you know, it's a great question. Um, again, I would not necessarily like, I just, you know, I knew obviously the goal of the Olympics, especially mm -hmm. when you've already been to one and you're training for two, but I also like at that time also, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to swim after college. Like I literally mm -hmm. just thought, you know, my swimming is my meal ticket to college. Um, my swimming is my meal ticket to get a free education. Like my education was basically why I was swimming. Um, you know, it's like, I, I, I like trained my butt off in high school so I could go to college. And then I thought I'd be done after college. Like I get my diploma and then I'm done swimming. Like at that time, you have to remember there really wasn't a lot of professional swimming and there was mm -hmm. not a lot of professional female swimmers. Um, I didn't even really know where to go after USC if I wanted to keep swimming. And that was, you know, it was very limited choices for where I would go. So I, you know, it wasn't necessarily like, Hey, pull this together. Like you need to make another Olympic team. It was like, Hey, pull this together. You have four years at USC. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it was kind of one of those things where I'd always been like, you know, hard work equals success. And it's like fast times usually made good placing, which usually means different teams. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I never really put my the pressure on myself to make another Olympic team. I mean, my biggest, obviously, like focus was to be injury free uh, mm -hmm. and pain free. Because I mean, I hurt in the pool, but I hurt out of the pool too. Like I froze on campus one day because I was in so much pain. Like it hurt to project my, like I had a stress fracture in my intercostal muscles. So, I mean, it hurt when I coughed. Um, and so my, the quality of my life, I needed to improve off of these injuries. Um, so yeah, you know, it was, 
it was a decision I had to make because there's definitely a, a lot of doctors that said, you know, I don't know if you'll swim again. And I don't know if you'll swim again if you'll be as good as you used to be. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I, I was at the top of my game at 17. Like, nobody wants to hear that in anything mm-hmm. in life. You don't want to be your best when you're 17. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things. It's like, I have a decision to make. Do I listen to that and give up or do I press on and get another opinion? Um, so definitely press on another opinion. Surround yourself around positive people, people that believe in you. Um, and that's what I did. And again, like, Strong, uh, strong times and strong performances just happened to make just happened to mean for me making another big team. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I love it. I just, I mean, that's great. And it's, it's so, I'm so glad that you looked at it like that as kind of, I mean, it's actually unfortunate, I guess, because of not be having really the professional career to them fall back on, like maybe some other sports do, uh, at least at that time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah. it's smart that you looked at it the way you did and said, heck, I mean, I'm getting to go to college for free and I'm doing something I love while I do it. Hey, if I go to the Olympics, right. I go to the Olympics. It's pretty cool. So um, I really, right. again, your mindset, shout out to your parents. Appreciate them. Um, <laughs> they, they, clearly, they, clearly, they clearly set you up right with everything you're doing. So I do love that. So then, um, so I may have mixed up the story a little bit because my notes got all over the place because I was writing everything down. You, you, for, <laughs> yeah. you foregoed your final year of college and signed a deal with Nike. Was that before the second, the, the 04 Olympics? Yeah. So I actually, okay. um, it, it coincides. So I went to the okay. 2004 Olympic trials, an amateur athlete. And mm-hmm. after that swimming with the success that I had at trials, I gave up the opportunity mm-hmm. for the last year of eligibility. So I could capitalize on the financial gains mm-hmm. um, and the opportunities. I mean, as you know, like they don't really exist. And when they mm-hmm. do exist, they're right at the Olympics. That's yeah. when they want you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into the Olympic trials as an amateur and I came out a professional. <laughs> well, would you look at that? I guess that was good timing uh, to have some, to have some pretty pretty great time so i mean congratulations there and i guess we'll kind of parlay that into one of the topics i want to cover because we are starting to unfortunately run out of time because we're just having so much fun the time's just flying by um sponsorships <laughs> for olympic athletes you and i both know it's not as easy as it sounds it's not as um no. abundant as you know maybe it should be and and even coming down from from the governments and and the money and how it's actually allocated is definitely in question we don't need to get too political about it but on the sponsorship right. side, what did you see i mean obviously it took until right before the second olympics for you i don't know if you had offers before that or anything along those lines but what have you seen and you know especially because you've been in the sport for you know 20 years and and back in 2000 2004 things were a little different than they currently are are now but i mean from your point of view and what you've seen you know what how how was it trying to obtain sponsorships was that something you did by yourself was it something the coaches helped you an agent how did you go about that whole process and managing it especially at such a young age um so it was hard just mm-hmm. because like you said there wasn't a lot of opportunity but at the same time i wasn't that wasn't my focus you know that's why you do have an agent so i was represented by um you know an agent that, that was his primary mm-hmm. job um, was to get you know the benefits um you know what the hardest part about being a professional athlete is um doing your requirements for your sponsorships mm-hmm. means you're on the road a lot which mm-hmm. takes you from your sport a lot mm-hmm. so your sponsors obviously are sponsoring you because you're an awesome athlete but you're an awesome athlete because you're training so hard so now mm-hmm. you're out of the pool or you're out of your environment or you're out of your schedule because you're doing requirements for your sponsorship which you're so grateful for because they are you know allowing you to solely focus on training but now you have to distract yourself mm-hmm. or take yourself from your sport to be your best Mm-hmm. So that part is hard. Um, I mean, there are plenty of athletes out there 
that didn't have sponsors or had very small sponsors and they're still looking for a job too. So they mm -hmm. could train for the Olympics. Um, you know, swimming is not a lucrative sport. It's nothing, nothing, nothing remotely like our top sports, like the, you know, football, baseball, basketball, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's very limited. I mean, I'm, unless you're um, Michael Phelps at the time or now Katie Ledecky. I mean, obviously you're sitting pretty, but even if you're like number seven in the world or number three for the U.S., there's not a lot to help you train completely if you're, you know, out of college or whatever, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. to totally focus on your sport. Um, so, you know, for me, that the hardest part once I became a professional athlete, and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm making money. Yes, yes, amazing, fantastic. That's my job. But my my um, my swimming suffering. I wasn't as strong because I wasn't as devoted to the pool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a completely a double edged sword. Like if you're not, if you don't get the money, then you can't train. But if you're getting the money, it makes it more difficult to train. You know, I mean, obviously you can train right, without the right. money, but you need money to live. I mean, you're a person. It's like that's kind of how it works. You need money to eat food, to get coaching, to do all these things. So, um, you know, it's very much a double edged sword, and it's very frustrating um, from my perspective. Just knowing that you guys and girls, it's it makes it more difficult for you to be at elite levels unless you get the money. But once you get the money, you have other obligations to keep you from really achieving the elite levels because you're, you're so busy and your time's wrapped up. So it's definitely, it's a, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's very difficult. It's very um, difficult to understand, especially as an outsider. And that's again, why I like to bring this up and really just understand, um, you know, some of the things you guys go through and don't worry, no one thought you were complaining about that. Um, and if they did, <laughs> I'm going to tell them right now that obviously you were not, you just wanted to swim more, so you could be better so that you could represent your country at, at the highest ability. And I mean, again, you've done that and, and it's, it's pretty incredible. So, so thank you for giving us a little, you know, a couple minute understanding of exactly what goes on there. So you get your, your Nike sponsorship, shout out Nike. Thank you. Uh, and then yes. you go to the Oh four Olympics and that's where you really blossom. You really crush it. Um, we already talked about the medals you won. We talked about, I mean, tell us a little bit about actually the breaking that world record with all those other girls. Does it, is it more <laughs> impressive when you do it as a team in your mind or, or was it more enjoyable? Cause you got to share that moment with a couple extra people and know that you were all in it together. And, you know, it's, I think <laughs> I've never broken a world record individually. So for me, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yep. yeah. But, you know, that's the real part of that. And what you mentioned, um, you know, for the introduction is that we broke the oldest world record in the history books for the sport of swimming. It was the last East German record that stood. It was actually broke to that day exactly 17 years. Um, so for me, that was um, a sense of pride. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that East Germans known as, you know, doping records. And um, for some reason, you know, we couldn't take them off the books until it was officially done. And that itself was just the most incredible part. And that's the part where I get the chills, where I look at the newspaper clippings and, you know, see the articles that were written on that. And that, you know, obviously Team USA was going crazy excited mm -hmm. about it. But, you know, people around the world were going crazy for that record as well. And we got a lot of respect from our competitors that um, race specifically and um, just a huge sense of pride breaking that record. And then, you know, being the anchor on that relay was like pretty surreal too, to get my hand on the wall and to look up and, you know, my swim was, you know, my teammates knew where we were in the pool. Obviously I, you know, I knew we were winning, but I didn't know where we were on the clock and mm -hmm. to look up and to see, uh, you know, WR next year, your record or next year time, sorry. And you're like, wow, we just broke world record. Um, was pretty crazy. And, you know, it's definitely a special bond that you share. I, um, have, um, 
seen Natalie Coughlin a lot throughout this past year. We've both been involved with USA Swimming together, and it's definitely a bond that um, we we have together. And um, you know, ran into Dana Vollmer, who I hadn't seen in years, and saw her um, this past summer too. And it's like, again, that is like a special bond with somebody that you you have with very very few people um, in the world or any of my teammates. Um, but it's also interesting too, like what I touched on before. I mean, these are girls that I used to race against all the time. And then that day we're on a team together and we're celebrating together. But then, you know, the next week we went our separate ways and one's at Cal and oh, but actually both were at Cal and I'm at USC. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's a really interesting dynamics. Um, and then we're racing each other at the next moment. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny how the sport works in that sense. But I mean, regardless of, you know, if we are close or not close, we will always have something to be closely bonded with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is super cool. I mean, obviously, I'm never going to be a part of anything like that. So, um, you know, I think it's just <laughs> you incredible. never know. You never you know. know. <laughs> I, I, I really, I got to be honest with you, Keelan. I really. Hey, maybe I'm going to cross my finger again. If I could be number four in the world at anything, I'd be pretty ecstatic about it. So, world record at something, you know, I'll, I have to be humble. I have to be honest with myself, right? Every once in a while. Um, so, I know we only have a couple more minutes, and it's super unfortunate that we do have to get going in a little bit. But um, obviously, you know, if you could give us maybe one or two seconds on just the comparison between the the 04 games and the 2000 games being a little older being the seasoned veteran the second time around knowing what not to do and what to do how did that help your performance um in the pool really understanding exactly what was expected of you this time you know I just knew I needed to only worry about myself and that was something that you know I did wrong with that first race on that first day and you know even after that race in 2000 I like changed my gear immediately so this time around you know it was kind of funny because I was racing some of the same girls I did in 2000, but I was like, do not worry how they swim, like do your own mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, it was, it was, I, I had a coach say, you know, you look like a different swimmer out there. And he was a college coach. So he saw me through like my, you know, my downs at USC. And I was like, Oh yeah, what's that? He goes, you just look like you're just having the time of your life. You mm-hmm. look so happy out there. And it's really what it was. And I think a lot of it came from a heart of gratitude, you know, because of those hard times that I had uh, leading up to 04, I was just grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in 2000, you're almost like a deer in a headlights. And at that time, like, you know, I was swimming on fire every time I swam. And then in 04, it's like, oh my gosh, I've been through the ringer. And I'm like, so grateful to be here. Um, a little bit more in the moment, a little bit more in the now. Um and then, you know, I had just signed with Nike and I just felt really proud to be representing mm-hmm. uh, them as a company because they were so great to me. And more importantly, they were so great to my family, just like spoiling us all. Um, and so, you know, you kind of take on more of an adult role or um, I, I felt like I grew um, or matured years in just that one swim meet. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a pretty large age difference with my two older sisters. And I even, I felt closer to my sisters. Like I just felt like I had matured so much. Um, in such a quick amount of time. Um, and I, I was just, um, I was just really grateful. You know what I mean? Just really, really happy and thrilled that I could be experiencing this one more time. Absolutely incredible. And we're so glad you did because again, the second time around was a little bit sweeter. It seems like a couple extra um, ribbons around your neck, a couple extra medals hanging down. So that's pretty incredible. So um, (laughs) I I hate to do this to you, Caitlin. I know we only have a couple minutes left, but tell me about everything that you're doing after swimming. I mean, I understand there's more to the story, obviously with being injured, not, not being able to qualify for 08, but I know you're um, the spokesperson for the Jesse Reese foundation. If you don't mind explaining a little bit of that to us, kind of what you're doing, what they're doing and how, um, you know, if any, is possible to maybe be able to help out 
Yeah, definitely. So um, I became a national spokesperson for the Jesse Reese Foundation about um, 2012. And the Jesse Reese Foundation, their whole mission is to spread hope, joy, and love to children fighting cancer and to encourage them to NIGU. And NIGU stands for never, ever give up. And that's also what our foundation is known by is NIGU. And that's our website, NIGU.org. And so, um, you know, we are a group of individuals that are caring for kids that are going through cancer. And we want to be able to bring them a little extra boost of joy um, when they're going through this terrible thing we want to be able to support and be a community that rallies around these families um, there are a lot of foundations out there that are about finding the cure and we are all about that but we want to care for these kids before uh, until there is a cure um, you know we kind of joke that you know we hope we go quote unquote out of business because mm-hmm. that would mean there's a cure for cancer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, that's obviously not happening it seems like anytime soon we want to care for these kids as the numbers are just absolutely alarming so what I ended up doing for the last few years was um, going to children's hospitals around the country and bringing my Olympic medals and encouraging them to never ever give up and ironically which was my story between 2000 and 2004 as well just like not letting things get you down and sharing the medals and bringing these things called joy jars they're 64 ounce containers and they're age and gender specific and that is the little girl Jessie who was diagnosed with two inoperable brain tumors she came up with this concept as she was fighting treatment because it was something that she wanted to bring back to the other kids that were going through what she was going through. So uh, Jessie fought her um, fight for 10 months and two days before she passed away and she hand stuffed and delivered over 3,000 joy jars. And um, it was something that her family took very serious that this was something that she wanted to do. So they have continued her legacy by continuing her wish of that every kid finding cancer gets a joy jar. Um, so uh, she was a junior Olympic swimmer from a very prominent mm-hmm. uh, swim team, the Michigan Bay Nadadors here. So that's how my affiliation sync up. That swimming community mm-hmm. is very small and been able to bring other professional athletes and um, you know, specifically obviously swimmers, but others to this cause. And um, we have a, a pretty mighty little crew of Team Nigo that are fighting for these kids or supporting these kids, I should say. I love it. That's incredible. You're doing some amazing things. We appreciate obviously you representing our country, but also, I mean, children with cancer, as you said, it, it's alarming. It's unfortunate. It's extremely sad. Yeah. Um, and you know, if we can do anything, you know, obviously I appreciate you sending out that website. Um, and I mean, Caitlin, thank you so much. I know we got to get going. So I sincerely appreciate your time today. It was such a fun conversation. I hope you had a blast. Um, I love you. your story. Yeah. I thank you so much again for getting really deep with us and getting us to understand exactly what you went through. Cause that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get people to understand that, between those years of the Olympics, um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So again, I think I pronounced your name wrong in the beginning. So that's that's pretty awful on my part. So send no, it, it happens all the time. I'm, sure, but I'm the, the host. I'm not supposed to say your name wrong. That's ridiculous. That's so it's okay. But you know, it's funny. Well, even <laughs> if I would have probably told you how to say it, you would probably still say it wrong because you'd be nervous. That's what I feel like yeah. that's happening. So I just let people do their thing. Yeah, Plus I say, married into like Hogan. So Hogan's like perfect. So we'll just take my husband's last name. I, I was going to say, I said that. I know I said that. That one right that's easy i mean the whole yeah, that's month, easy course, but, um caitlin sandino right you got it you caitlin got sandino it. hogan multiple medalist gold silver bronze fourth place two incredible usa swimming caitlin thank you so so much for being here with us today my pleasure thanks for having me all the best Hey guys, thank you so much again for listening to another episode. This was a fantastic one as they all are. If there's any opportunity, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, tell them about this project because I think it's such a fun thing and it's really great to get to hear from these athletes and learn what they go through on a daily basis representing our country. Let's not forget that. They do everything um, for us. I mean, obviously they enjoy what they do, but at the same time they're they're doing it to represent our country most of the time. And um, 
they, they do an incredible job at it and I, I really appreciate it. So guys, thank you so much. If there's anything I can do better um, to make it easier or more enjoyable for you, the listener, the audience, Michael at ourathletes.us for email at ourathletes.us for Instagram. Shoot me a message. Let me know. Make it anonymous. Make it obvious. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to make sure that this is the best possible thing for you guys. So again, thank you guys so much. 